The following message was recorded at Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. For more information and resources from Shades Valley, please visit us at shadesvalley.org. I'm really happy to be sharing today. It is my uh, next to the last professional sermon. And I thought it was interesting that as Brad was putting together the assignments for this summer, he ended up giving me appropriate use of words. Okay. Thanks a lot, Brad. What did I do to deserve that? (laughs) Matt Theus and I were talking, and he thought, well, maybe it's because I was a lawyer in a previous life and I deserved it. Uh, But that's what we're working on, appropriate use of words. It is kind of exciting to do it, though. We're going to be looking at a lot of passages on Proverbs, most, those are all going to be on the slides, which I also thank Brad's lovely assistant, John Kegley, for putting those together. Uh, this is such a potentially powerful topic that is almost scary. One, it, because it is something that we all struggle with. I mean, I, I, I would dare any of you to raise your hand if you did not struggle seriously with your tongue over this past week, okay? And if you can raise your hand, we're going to do a special confessional at the end of the service. It, 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 something hurtful or harsh or sarcastic or short or angry or just plain careless, they just slip out, don't they? And I don't think we really recognize how important God views every word that we say. You're going to see that at the end. I've been, trust me, if you get a little uncomfortable with these passages, realize I've been struggling with them all week. Uh, it's not been comfortable at all. The second thing about them is not only is it so important, a topic, it's really hard to preach on because there's so much material. I mean, there are scores of passages of Proverbs alone that talk about the tongue and its use, the appropriate use of the tongue. You could take it home and just just spend all afternoon looking up either words or the tongue in Proverbs, and it's just rife with all of this information and instruction and direction from the Lord. So today I have tried to pick just a few that were really challenging to me, and I hope that they're challenging to you, not because I want you to be uncomfortable, uh, but because I think it's very important, and I think God sees this as a very important topic. So anyway, let's pray as we get started. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I do want to confess before my brothers and sisters that this is an area that I struggle with at times, and I thank you for what you have taught me this week. I just pray, Lord, you will use your word by the power of your spirit to teach all of us, touch our hearts, change us, so that when we leave, we will be more conformed to your image than when we came. Not because of the words of the message, but because of the words of your scripture. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, I put the overall foundation, this Proverbs 12, 18. We're going to see if we... After they've already said, yeah, he's on top of it. Proverbs 12, 18, I'm using as our beginning introductory verse. But it's got some increasingly important stuff in it. 
Notice how it says, there, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Rash words. The first part, first half, we're going to talk about rash words. The second half, we're going to talk about healing words. Uh, I like to do it that way because you've got to get through the hardest part first. You know, that's the uncomfortable part of it. But notice something here very important. God is telling us that the spiritual damage of words is identical to the physical damage of a sword. You understand? The, The spiritual damage of words, rash words, are identical to the physical damage of a sharp sword. That sharp sword is a a weapon intended to hurt and to injure, and it's dangerous, and it's usually used intentionally. This just proves beyond any shadow of a doubt that the old saying that they taught me, and unfortunately I taught my kids, sticks and stones would what? will break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Lie, lie, lie. Now, I know the purpose behind it, but it's really totally untrue. And this passage just points that out to us. Whether these words are intentional or just insensitive, words, rash words, are just like a sword thrust into somebody's body. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. What a wonderful contrast in this proverb. There truly is healing power in thoughtful and kind words. There truly is. Now I'm going to ask you right now to do something for me. And it may be just this part part might be a little painful, but I'm going to ask you to recall a time when someone, whether it's a parent, a spouse, a friend, a roommate, a neighbor, where they said something that truly wounded you, that truly hurt you. And I know this isn't a pleasant exercise, but I think it's really necessary for us to embrace the importance of this morning's scripture. So you will take just a moment and allow the Holy Spirit maybe to bring to mind, if if you need that, many of us don't, it's already there, a time when words truly hurt you. Thank you. Now I want you to contrast that to a time in your life when someone said something truly life-giving. It made your day. It might have even changed your life. And it was such an important statement or time that it brings a smile to your face right now. So you take a little time to think of something where someone just said the right thing at the right time. Hopefully this will help us to remember how powerful words are, both sides. So as we go through, they're gonna, it's kind of there in our minds as we think about it.
All right, let's work at some rash words, some assorted truths from Proverbs about what a rash word might be. So let's look at Proverbs eleven twelve. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silence. I, this one I really liked because we don't necessarily think of belittling others as a major category sin. I mean, it just, it just doesn't seem to get up there on our thou shalt not board. But it's very true. Words that reflect, that belittle others, reflect our own desire to put somebody down, which goes totally opposite to every scriptural reference that Jesus ever taught us. To see ourselves better. Now, that's not going to help us. It reflects the wrong view of ourselves and it reflects the wrong view of others. And when this happens, when you belittle someone, it affects the whole community that is around you at the time. If anybody else hears it, or you're any place else, or that word gets out, it will damage the community. Now, I went on to the next half of it uh, this week, but this morning God, uh, God reminded me of something, so I'm going to have to go back and say something. Two things came to me under the belittling passage. Um, maybe none of you have struggled with it, but sarcasm. Any of you struggle with sarcasm? Man, that's one I can use. I don't know whether it was training or just my old nature, but sarcasm can sneak out in a hurry. It's not as, as hard or as tricky as the other one. And now I realize that I have used humor to actually belittle people. I don't know whether it's because I want to seem to be clever because I to say something. But there's oftentimes we will use humor in a way that speaks just a little, there's enough truth in it that it hurts or belittles someone. And so neither sarcasm or that type of humor is appropriate if we going to love our neighbors, is it? So if you join me in that particular one that God pointed out to me, uh, when I come to the table, those two are going to come with me. But a man of understanding remains silent. I love this passage because in the Hebrew, that remains silent is kind of spoken of as a picture. Okay? It's like you see the open door. It's there. It's inviting. You can take a shot. It's, it's, just, it's just clear. But instead of, of trying to make yourself look good or be at the damage of someone else, you put your hand over your mouth. You hold yourself in check. And notice how the first part of this, whoever belittles his what? Okay, you have to help me out. There's somebody help me out. Thank you. Whoever belittles his neighbor. Gee, that seems to of the second commandment from Christ, doesn't it? Love our neighbors as ourselves. You see how this all fits together? So when you belittle our neighbor, we're violating Jesus' second command. And putting our hand over our mouth more often than we do is probably a really good start. Not hurting someone, not saying rash words. Let's look at Proverbs 21.6 up there. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor 
and a snare of death. Okay, this is the lying tongue. That was belittling, this is lying. I mean, you knew that I had to hit that somewhere in this passage. But the thing about it that I notice in this situation is that we are warned that anything we gain or any advantage we have because we lie or I think misrepresent or deceive will turn out to be worthless. You might get something in the short run, whether it's a promotion, uh, you sell something, or whatever happens, but in the long run, it's going to be worthless. The second part of that, that is the fleeting vapor and a snare of death. I looked at that, and I'm, one of these things is that when we lie and we get something, it eats away at our soul. It, it, it will actually kill us spiritually as we hold on to a lie or promote a lie. And we all know that one lie will lead to another, and then you get yourself trapped in a web that, that will hit you. And in parenting, isn't this one of the very first character traits that we try so hard to teach children? And that's a, not to lie, and I use misrepresent or deceive. Um, I, I have to tell, and I got permission on this one. Um, when we lived in Loomis, Nebraska, a huge town of 450 people, our first church, and we had a nice parsonage, and uh, we had a washer and a dryer in the basement. So Pam and I are at the house, and I'm studying, and she's doing things at the house, and we hear this thump, 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 thump. I mean, it's like the whole house is rattling. So we jump up to try to figure out what it is. We don't have a clue. No clue. It's quiet. So we go back. Thump, 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 thump. We jump up and we try to run down. We run down to the basement. Something's happening. The house is falling apart. We can't find anything. And while we're standing down there at the basement, it happens again. Thump, 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 thump. And we look at it. It's the dryer vent hose. Something is coming down that hose that it was not intended to come down that hose. So we immediately run out the back. And neighborhood kids and our kids were all playing in the back at the time. And of course, they all looked up us like they're little angels, right? Everyone, I mean, just the sweetest little look you could see. And so we tried to talk, and we, nobody would admit they did it. So we tried to explain to them we're not going to punish anybody for doing that. But if you lie to us, it's going to have some serious consequences because the lying was worse than what was basically an innocent kind of thing. Nobody. Well, at this point in time, I'm looking at my own children, and the guilty will remain nameless. Um, Looking at our one of our, my children, and I could see a little bit of an extra sheepish look on one. So I kind of zeroed in. And being that wonderful parent that I am, I kind of got down when I could get down. I got down, I tried to look that person in the eye and said, understand, you won't get punished for doing that, but we need to know you're not lying to us. Okay. Now, around the, around the patio, there were lava rocks. Do you know what a lava rock is? It's about that big. Just the perfect size for an uncovered dryer vent hose. 
they'd been coming down that hose. People, kids have been putting things. Okay, this beloved child. <laughs> looks at me with the sweetest look and said, Nikki did it. <laughs> Nikki was our poodle. This big. A mouth this big. Couldn't pop. And it, she couldn't reach where the vent was. Now, obviously, at that point in time, Pam and I had to turn around because we were just laughing. I mean, it was, it was great. But then we had to turn around and give consequences because, yeah, yeah, she, Pam says, so how big were these rocks that Nikki put in the, uh, in the vent? Oh, this big. Anyway, because stopping lying is incredibly important. The hard part about it all is, you know, as I grow, I have a tendency to forget the good lessons. And sometimes I even uh, am a hard learner. But the proverb says, again, anything you get by misrepresentation, deceit, or lying is going to be worthless in the long run. And it's going to damage your heart and your soul. So that's what that is. Now the next one is Proverbs 21-23. See, I told you these are going to be really easy ones. You know, doesn't, doesn't hit our conscience at all. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. I love this one. Now, what makes this really funny is that in the Hebrew, there's a whole less number of words to write that proverb out. You know, Hebrew can do that. As a matter of fact, it's one of the shortest, if not the shortest proverb in the entire book. And there's a purpose for that. He wants us to tell us Look how important I can say something in just this little bitty words. You don't need lots of words. Short words. And it's a great illustration. Now, this one is backed up by the next one. Go on, if you will. Thank you. Proverbs 10, 19. Notice I just, we just read, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. When words are many... Transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Okay, prudent means wise, smart, intelligent. You keep your lips on this. Well, all throughout Proverbs, this type of is, is a type of theme that comes through there. How many times have you walked away from a, a social gathering or a conversation and you say to yourself, I talk too much. I talked too much. I need to stop. I need to... Now, you may not have done anything really bad, but you walk away saying, well, I kind of monopolized the conversation. Uh, that was, it was more about me than others. And you know how it is. You just talk. Proverbs says, no, that's not a really smart thing to do. Part of it is, the very hard truth is, well, maybe you're smarter than I am, but the more I talk the more likely I'm going to say something stupid. That's kind of what Proverbs is saying, isn't it? The more you talk, the more you're going to say something, oh, well, no, let me say, I'm sorry, foolish, not stupid, I was foolish. Now, all Proverbs consistently teach that less is more. And again, this is one of the areas that God was trying to remind me of all week. 
And, uh, and I just share that with you. There's one more rash words proverb that I want to use this morning. It actually has both parts to it. And we're going to focus on the rash part of it uh, just for this, this time, but you can see both of it. You probably know it is very familiar. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now, we know this is true, don't we? Just in practical aspects. Anytime that we are in a, an interaction where there's a disagreement or an argument, we know that it would be smarter to have a soft answer, totally under control, than to come back harsh. Because harshness just brings on harshness, doesn't it? And, if you're, and as a believer, we're supposed to be the one, whether with our spouse or with a friend or a roommate or an employee or whatever, we're the one that de-escalates the argument. We don't expect others. We need to, by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, de-escalate that argument. Um, speaking the truth is incredibly important. We read that in the New Testament. But there's, a, there's something that goes with that. We are to speak the truth, but we're only to do it how? And let's say it real loud. Speaking the truth in love. Which means even if you speak the truth, if you don't do it in love, it's as bad as lying. That's what it was hard for me to take. Now, if you don't speak the truth, no matter how much you love, you're still, that one, you're falling off the edge on that side. But it's speaking the truth in love. Now, uh, now I'd like to move on to the tongue of the wise. Are we ready for that one? Okay, let's quit beating each other up or letting Proverbs work on our hearts. Words that bring healing, the tongue of the wise. Proverbs 15.4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness, and it breaks the spirit. That word perverseness for others, that's a lying or misleading is the way that one's translated. That is, breaks the spirit. Truth in, done in the right way is totally life-giving. I mean, how helpful is it if you have a friend and there's something that they're not seeing, but you know well, it's going to hurt them or it's holding them back, and you find a way to gently talk to them about it. How incredible that is in love for a friend. Now, how do we get to a gentle tongue? That's the key, isn't it? Isn't that the hard part? I mean, I'm always ready to tell you the truth. I see this. Let me tell you. Gentle tongue takes a special effort by the power of the Spirit of God. It's because we become more interested in helping others than getting our opinion expressed. Does that make sense? The gentle tongue says we're really thinking about someone else. We're more interested in helping them than being right or getting our opinion across or trying to change their mind. The gentleness the relational gentleness is what's going to really work in the long run. Now, this gentleness and this thought of looking at others before we let our tongue out is going to be a recurring theme through several of these Proverbs. All right, Proverbs 12.25 is another one that I just really love this one because it's so true. I mean, they're all true. But I've experienced this one. And this one, it just, it just works. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. 
Now, is there any, anybody have any doubts about that? Is, that? is that not true? Now, anxiety can be defined as one's emotional response to a threat to one's well-being. An emotional response to a threat to one's well-being. It can be anything like uncertainty of the future or someone didn't meet your expectations. And anxiety comes in. Well, what's interesting on this is that good words, encouraging words, have the power to help someone that is feeling anxiety. But this only works when you've paid attention to that person. You have a sense of where that anxiety is coming from. You care enough to listen to them tell their whole story. I mean, how many times have I come out with, I've got the answer before you've even asked the question. Tell them tell their whole story. You can't understand where their anxiety is coming from. And then when you understand where it's coming from, the good words are appropriate words. Words about their, what their true strengths are. Words about God's love and, and his presence, even in the hard times. Sometimes just good news about anything that is encouraging to a person that's feeling anxious. So, so the good word will make him glad, will take him out of his anxiety. That's pretty powerful stuff. That's pretty powerful counseling. Then Proverbs 15.23. Now notice we just talked about good words, okay? Proverbs 15.23 says, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season how good it is. Can I tell you how to define apt for, your, for us? It's the right words spoken in the right way. The right words spoken in the right way. And then the end of the Proverbs, it's at the right time. Right words, right way, right time. But again, to do this, how are we ever going to get the right words the right way at the right time if we haven't read the person? Does that make sense? You've got to take the time, pay attention, read them, understand where they're coming from. Otherwise, there's no way for us to come up with an apt answer. Now, we may come up with an answer we think is apt, but it could be totally off the page from where they're really needing an answer. Ephesians 4, uh, 29 is a passage that, uh, that uh, Mimi really got our kids to memorize early. We were hoping it would be helpful. Um, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up, good for building up, as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. All right? The right words, good for building up. The right time, it fits the occasion. The right way, it gives grace to those who hear. Does that sound like, if that's all you take away from it is the right words, the right way, the right time. That would be, you know, I think the Holy Spirit could use that in all our lives uh, for that. Now, there's one more that we, we've, you, I'm sure you're very familiar with, you've heard, and that's Proverbs 25:11. Now, remember, we just defined what an apt answer is. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Man, I got a real, it, it was just special to my heart, time. Diamonds Direct had an incredible coupon, K 
came in the mail. And I don't know if you've seen that. And it, uh, it was our anniversary uh, of 45 years. And so we dared to enter Diamonds Direct. You've got to get buzzed in. Have you ever been there? It's scary. You've got to get buzzed in and buzzed out. Once you get in, I'm looking around, and I'm going, I'm wearing my shorts and my shirt, and I'm underdressed for this shopping experience. So the first thing I did after we, she had an idea what she wanted, I, I went and found the soft, easy chairs that was showing the girls the women's soccer match on the TV that they have for the children and the husbands back in the corner. This place is amazing. So she had a chance to shop around, and I, I knew what she was looking, but she didn't get what she was looking for. She had something else. And when she showed them to me, it, it, it just really knocked me out. She got a special new pair of earrings with amethysts in them. Just happens to be, that's my birthday. Birthstone. Man, that just, you know, you talk about uh, an apple of gold in a, in a setting of silver. It just encouraged me tremendously. It was just special. But do you realize that a word fitly spoken is just like that. Right word, right way, right time. But again, let me just remind us, it's only when we're thinking more of the other person, their pain and their challenges than our own, that the Holy Spirit can work that through us. Because then we're listening to them, and when we listen to them, we're listening to the Holy Spirit. And that's when we can come out with the right words, the right way, the right time. Now, we're going to move on. Part of the problem of preaching this message was as soon as I got the assignment, I realized we can't just do Proverbs. I've got to go to the book of James. The book of James has the, most, the strongest two paragraphs about the tongue in all of scriptures. It, it blows us away. But Proverbs 18.21, do we have that one? Just read that first part. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We just stop there. Is that serious stuff? I don't think he's just kidding. I think he's totally serious. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Old Testament. Let's kick over, and if you will, take out your Bibles electronically otherwise and turn to James 3. We're actually not even going to read the first paragraph about the tongue. We're going to start in uh, verse 6. James 3, verse 6. Read along with me. If you'd like to read it out loud, that's fine. If you want to read it silently, that's fine too. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Now, is that not meant to represent the impact that the enemy uses the tongue? It can be a weapon of Satan. For every kind of beast and bird and of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. So that's very clear. You can't do that by just yourself. It's only 
Christ alive and the Spirit empowering us. It's tameable, but it's tough. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now here's the part I want us to close on. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Obviously not. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Powerful questions, aren't they? In and of themselves, it lets us know that that there's a real issue here. These are excellent, powerful questions, and we need to consider them. Um, How much of what we say and how we say it, again, to our children, to our spouse, to a roommate, to a sibling, to a friend, to a neighbor, to a coworker, how much of what we said this last week, and maybe even this morning, is reflective of the songs that we already sang and that beautiful confession that Brad came up with. That thing was powerful. But how much of what we have done over the last week, how much has that changed? So how much is what we say today totally not reflected of what we say the rest of the week? It's interesting, as a new creation in Christ, let me just say, do you you realize that when Christ comes into your life, you, you are made into a new creation, totally new. And with that, it makes you different. As a temple of the indwelling Holy Spirit, there are certain ways that we need to behave, isn't there? I mean, that's a little scary. I I hate to think about being that. But we are in the temple of the indwelling Holy Spirit, God alive in us. And we are alive in God. All right, if that's true, then is misusing our tongue something that we should be even capable of doing? If that's who we are, and that is who we are in Christ, then it should be almost as hard for us to misuse the tongue as it is for a freshwater fish to breathe to live in salt water. It just isn't going to work. It shouldn't work. There's something that's, that's wrong when we see that. But part of that is, is we have to constantly be aware of our tongue. Isn't that true? It's not something we just, it's like breathing or eating. Talking just comes naturally. Not always godly. And as we come with that, that type of idea, it just seems that only the Holy Spirit can empower us to live according to what we've heard in Proverbs and James this morning. Again, this isn't supposed to be a, a, a series of messages on pull yourself up by your bootstraps and behave better. This is a, to be fully engaged with the Holy Spirit and allowing the fruit of the Spirit to pour out of us. And this passage is showing us, this passage is show us what that looks like. 
today, if any of us, and I already told you, I've got, I'm going to bring some stuff to the table today. But if any of us are struggling with what we have said over the past week or weeks, and particularly, may I just say, particularly if you're recognizing through the power of God that there's a pattern in your life of hurtful speaking, of whatever it might be, then, then I think God is speaking to our hearts today. He's saying, I want to come and I want to heal you. I want you to come, I want you to bring your broken heart, your broken spirit, and I want to do, I want to do a healing work that specifically deals with your tongue. As we come to the table today, I think, as I've observed, that harsh words, hurtful words, tend to come when we're angry. Is that true? Not always, but it does tend to come when we're angry. Or it could be that our anger is coming out of expectations that weren't met. We're disappointed maybe with God. Or it could be that someone has hurt us and we're still holding on to that hurt, that anger is built. Or there's someone we have to truly forgive and no matter what we've said to our friends, that forgiveness hasn't really taken hold yet. When we have a reservoir of anger in us, something will happen that bad stuff spills out of that anger. It's kind of like I remember when I got a shot for shingles way back. I was in, in, in high school, and it was in this arm. But they called it the liquid fire shot. And I walked out, and I thought, that's no big deal. Well, I got to the door, and my whole right side seized up. I was in so much pain, it was unbelievable. Well, I tried to get in the car. Now, it's over here, right? You know where it is? Got in the car, and my baby sister bumped this, and I almost hit her. It hurt. I mean, it was just that original reaction. If you're finding yourself overreacting, particularly with your tongue and your emotions, there's a really good chance you've got a reservoir of anger that's underneath. Hey, God can heal that. God wants to heal that. But we first have to recognize, okay, is there that reservoir? Are there expectations that I'm still upset about? Are there those that have hurt me and I, I really need to give them a forgiveness? Are there some deep-seated woundedness that's taken me, it's covered and controlled me for years with forgiveness? This is all what we bring to the table today. Um, you know what's bad is that when someone has hurt us, like the doctor did that to me, and I almost hit my sister. When someone has hurt us and our angry words come out, how often do the angry words come out to someone who doesn't have anything to do with what caused the pain? It's kind of like a man or woman who had a really rough day at the work. And the old saying is that you come home, open the door, and you kick the dog. Take it out on the dog. Now, I know that's not, that's not biblical. Don't take that as what you're supposed to do. Whew. That's anti-biblical. But that's the saying. You come home with frustration from your coworkers and work, and you take it out on the dog. How many times have we kicked people with our tongue? And not the right person, the person. 
because there was something totally different that's causing that upsetness to occur.